Welcome dear listeners to this week's afternoon satsang. This is Prem with Arvind from Team Radio Sai. And we are here to continue with our narration of the Ramakatha Rasvaini. The story of the Ramayana as penned so beautifully and so profoundly by our dear Lord. But as always before we start on this week's show, before we uh, proceed in the story, as always we start by contemplating on the sweet and nectarous name of Lord Sri Rama. Sri Rama Rama Rame Ti Rame Rame Manorame Sahasranama Tatriyam Rama Nama Varanane Param dear listeners, we begin by offering our humble gratitude at the lotus feet of beloved Bhagwan and of course Hanuman who is ever present whenever the Ramkatha is sung. Last week we saw how Lord Sri Rama is welcomed in Ayodhya with lot of singing, lot of joy, everyone is happy, a lot of introductions takes place, takes, take place where Lord Rama introduces uh, his trusted friends in the war to the people of Ayodhya and the people of Ayodhya to these friends. Then we saw how Sage Vashishta announces a date for the coronation. Everyone rejoices for this and preparations begin in full swing. And uh, Lord Rama, Mother Sita, Lakshmana change from their forest dress into the royal robes. Before that, it begins symbolically by unmatting their hair and uh, even before Rama's hair is unmatted, he unmats the hair of his brother Bharata, who is been, uh, you know, living the same life as Rama. And in fact, we saw how he has, uh, uh, his appearance itself has changed to look like Rama. Right. Uh, he has attained the Sarupya Bhakti. So, that also we saw. So, all that has happened now and... As the coronation date has neared, Swami writes about how the mothers, the three queen mothers are discussing among themselves about their great good fortune. They are comparing Lord Rama to Lord Narayana and Mother Sita to Goddess Lakshmi. And they feel it's their privilege to witness the uh, grand coronation of Mahavishnu and Mahalakshmi. Mm -hmm. Of course, we know that they are not wrong in that. But even at that time, this is the comparison that they bring about and they're rejoicing at their good fortune. Right. And it, two things <clears throat> come to mind when you describe that scene. Because one thing is, there is no hesitation in anybody. The way uh, you know Sage Vasishta declares that we'll have the coronation on such and such a day. Mm. It's so spontaneous. You know, he literally, Rama goes to greet Sage Vasishta. I mean, as he comes back, he goes and meets all the elders. He's gone and met his mother. 
and when he goes and meets sage vasishta he almost like spontaneously de- declares that such and such is a good day so we'll be having the coronation and everybody is happy spontaneously everybody is happy and the other thing is you know we don't uh, realize sometimes when you're r- listening to the story what has to be kept in mind is you know ayodhya is the center of an emperor's kingdom right it's it's supposed to be very very wealthy and even somebody like vibhishana has not seen that kind of a setup because it's supposed to be a huge kingdom and that's why when some of these writers rewrite ramayana or mahabharata they try to give that context where how some of them are actually vassal kings very small kings and that's why when uh, even someone like sugriva and vibhishana they come into ayodhya they're like really impressed by the magnitude of the the entire setup the mm. huge kingdom which is there and swami even says that when rama starts distributing wealth starts distributing things uh, bharata starts giving out things in the in the happy occasion of rama coming back they are like not able to take the amount of uh, wealth which is distributed feel that you know that points out to one more uh, quality between the ayodhyan empire and the lankan empire see we when we were talking about lanka we were talking about how there is wealth everywhere the streets are paved in gold right now if vibhishana is impressed with the kind of wealth in ayodhya it obviously means that ayodhya beats <laughs> beats the expectations of uh, vibhishana and it's definitely more rich than lanka but the difference between lanka and ayodhya is that ayodhya doesn't flaunt doesn't flaunt its riches and i feel that's a very very uh, important quality to differentiate between the noble and the not so noble people because one of the root cause for all the problems that we see in the world today also is not just the economic disparity especially i'm talking about the underdeveloped and the developing world um in india for instance today it's not as if uh, poverty is something that has come now it's not as if like in rama's times everybody was rich what do they mean by rama rajya everybody is not rich in the material sense but everybody is contented and once you have contentment you know your material possessions don't matter if i am contented with my cycle to go and return from work it serves my purpose well enough i am happy but even if i have a motorbike if what i am seeking is a car then even though i have a motorbike which is better than ha- having a cycle i will not be happy and i will feel that i am impoverished so you see in that sense poverty is not just about how much of material possession you have but as swami defines the contented man is the richest person in the world he with the maximum desires is the poorest person in the world so in that sense from that age to this age india has become poorer not because materially we have lost of course materially there have been invaders who have come india is the only country that has not invaded any other country but has been host to several invasions people have plundered yes there has been a material loss but more than anything else it is this spurt in desires and now if we examine what is the root cause for spurt in desires is one everybody blames it on this that is the uh, gap between the haves and have nots but as we already said this gap was existent even in those times i mean the way rama had wealth i am sure uh, the others uh, citizens did not have that wealth so this gap between haves and have nots have always existed but the haves did not flaunt their wealth right. and the have nots therefore did not covet it you know so in that sense there was a kind of check 
So that, therefore, I say that there is a difference in nobility between Ayodhya and Lanka because when there is flaunting, there is coveting, and that is when the discrepancy between the rich and the poor come to fore, come to light, and begin to cause social problems and social unrest. That is the reason why it is called Rama Rajya because it is not as if everyone is equal materially, but there is no social unrest and there is no uh, turmoil because of multiple reasons. One of which is the haves don't flaunt because of which the have-nots don't covet and that becomes evident when we read this as to how even Vibhishana and the Sugriva who are kings themselves are impressed with the wealth that the Ayodhyan kingdom has very true i think sometime back we, we were discussing about uh, this thing of equality and uh, in one of swami's discourses make, swami makes that point you know why the idea of uh, socialism actually failed because you know you can never have equality materially <clears throat> because equality materially means people should have equal desires and swami said that never happens hmm. okay swami and even politically people have come to that understanding why communism and socialism of the purest form does not uh, stand a chance to survive in today's world and then they said you know equality should be equality of opportunity that how much ever one wishes to work hard they should have an opportunity to do that you know you could be born in a poor family but you should have the opportunity to rise to whichever level you you aspire to achieve you know just purely by your effort mm. but when you're talking about ram rajyam you know it's the same thing you know there was the opportunity but when you raise your you know the, the goal to something which is spiritual the opportunity automatically becomes equal right you know everybody has the equal opportunity of right, attaining you know, the when ultimate you're talking about materialism then you always have the opportunity of you know uh, someone can have an upper hand at uh, you know being born in a political family gives you an edge being born in a poor family gives you a disadvantage plus in materialism it's a kind of a zero sum game because the resources are limited right, exactly. so somebody takes more somebody has to take less it's a limiting uh, you know perspective when you which start off the, itself right which is not the case in spirituality not the case of spirituality because the moment you have a community or a society which is keeping spirituality as the target or goal or destination automatically the opportunity becomes equal and i think that was the beauty of ram rajya because uh, you know a, a king who was able to make the people live in a spiritual environment will always bring ram rajya as an opportunity because you know even in the past uh, even <clears throat> when you read about uh, some of these saints there have these traveling saints who will travel from kingdom to kingdom hmm. and they will say what is wrong with the king's rule that is to be the role of those kings in the role of those, uh, uh, of wandering, those saints, saints. wandering saints wandering yeah. saints and many of them will point out very subtle uh, changes that the king has to make out and one of the points that you made no there will there will be uh, saints who will see kingdoms which are flourishing they will have huge palaces but they will find that the uh, people are living in poverty in other mm. places they'll find that the palaces are very small but you will find a certain amount of satisfaction among uh, the you know the people mm. so then the saint will say that your kingdom is actually poor and if your palaces are big and the houses the people are living in is small then you're not actually a rich kingdom <clears throat> and some of these subtle things and that is why the importance of wisdom as we mentioned many many times in the program it's not about intelligence it's not about tact and it's not about your ability to hold wealth but that wisdom of what really is wealth and what really is you know gives happiness and uh, as you pointed out the spiritual orientation of the people of ayodhya obviously that is the reason why when the actual coronation ceremony takes place and swami has described it so beautifully 
that Rama looks like Manmatha, the mm-hmm. god of love, and uh, he's sitting and Swami describes the different ornamentation on his body and the am- amulets that he's wearing, the necklaces, and there is obviously a lot of glitter and a lot of gold and in spite of all that, there are there are no feelings of envy, jealousy, or you know coveting. That's because, as you rightly pointed out, Ramaraja is when all are oriented towards that spiritual goal. Since that is a goal, since that is the ultimate goal, the material wealth is actually not noticed. So, it's a win-win on both sides. There is, it's not flaunting when this happens. Everybody is celebrating together, and the beautiful thing is, see. The amount that Rama distributes after the ceremony in terms of gold, granaries, cows, it's so amazing because if we look at it, the uh, uh, the kingdom gets its wealth from its subjects, obviously by different taxes and different uh, ways, different, basically just the taxes that is put on the subjects. Now, if the people feel that how much ever we are giving to the kingdom is great because it comes back to benefit us, you know. I pay an increased tax and tomorrow I see street lighting, tomorrow I see good roads, I see benefits coming down to me. I naturally feel this is great. It is like I am contributing a few drops of water to a tree that is growing and yielding sweet fruits. That is what has happened in Ramarajya. There is no corruption because of which all that the citizens put comes back to them. And this kind of wealth distribution during Rama's coronation is possibly one of the direct forms in which this kind of benefit transfer is happening. On a happy occasion, it's not just the king and the royal family that is happy. They ensure that everybody in the citizen citizenry are happy. One might think that how can a king be happy when his treasury is getting emptied? The king is happy when his treasury is getting emptied because he knows that it is not my wealth that I'm giving away. It's the people's wealth that I'm giving to them. So that kind of spiritual evolution on both, on the part of the ruler and those who are ruled, of course, it starts with the ruler because Swami says, Yatha Raja Tata Praja. Right. That is what makes Ayodhya a beautiful kingdom, a, a Rama Raja, something that all of us seek. And uh, therefore, the coronation ceremony happens on a grand scale. It's so wonderful, so beautiful. Everybody is happy. Everybody is celebrating. And it's not just utopia. It is reality. Right. And, and the other point which you're saying, it's not like the <clears throat> the occasion was made grand by all these jewels. But these jewels and these kind of paraphernalia came because people are so happy. <clears throat> the other day I was going through the discourse which Swami gave uh, on the occasion of the Golden Chariot you know, procession for the first time. I think that was September 22nd, 2000. 2000 I think before that, 95. 97 or 95, uh, huh, yes, yes, correct. During the Paduka festival, I think Madhurai Chetia, he had arranged 97, that, correct. 97. September 22nd, 97. Right. I mean, I just happened to chance across, across that discourse. You know, where Swami clearly says that, you know, you all know me. I have no interest in such things of going in a chariot. But Swami said, you know, there are devotees who wanted this, you know, wanted Swami to be given this kind of a treatment. And Swami said, I I only feast upon your happiness. And it was done for that. Imagine on the same day on which Swami does the procession, Swami says, if anybody wishes to buy this chariot, I'll be more than happy to give it to you and use that money for charity. Right. And on the day on which Swami goes to his chariot, Swami makes it very clear. It's to give happiness to this Madhuri Chetiyar who went to, you know, this much trouble to do happen, make this happen. And I'm sure that all of you who saw it also get, got so much happiness. And I did it only for that. And that's the precise reason why I'm saying that it's done with 
So if anybody wants to buy it, and uh, I don't know exactly who got it, but apparently whoever bought it said, Swami, where will I park such a huge chariot? So you keep it with you, but it's mine now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and that's how, that was the story of that golden chariot. How it has remained uh, here. It remained here. Now, you know, when this coronation ceremony is taking place, uh, just like we see in um, traditional weddings and other such ceremonies, there is the gift giving. So, a lot of people offered gifts to Rama and Sita. And it uh, Vibhishana, the emperor of Lanka, offers Sita a brilliant, beautiful pearl necklace. It is said that this pearl necklace was given by Sagara. Sagara is a lord of the ocean. He had presented it to Rama, uh, Ravana. Ravana yeah. And uh, after Ravana's death, it has been bequeathed to Vibhishana. And Vibhishana decides that this would be something that is valuable, amazing, everything worth the occasion of Rama's coronation. And so he presents this to Sita. And uh, once he presents this to Sita... What happens next is very interesting and rather than we narrating it, we will listen to it in Bhagwan's own voice from the discourse. Uh, right, this is again from the 1996 Samukos. discourse delivered on 28th of May. So we listen to that episode being narrated in Swami's own voice because you know every time Swami narrates the same incident, hmm. there's a new twist he gives it to, gives to it. Hmm. If not the uh, facts of the event, Swami reveals sometimes more facts. Hmm. But sometimes what is insights? What is seen, right? The new insights that Swami gives is very, very profound and beautiful. Ramu, Waka Chakkani, Kwani Kwata Vilway in a twenty oka mutyala haramu, sita kandinchadu. And there Rama presented a necklace worth of few crores to Sita. Apuru Amenu Chapuradu. And Siki Yavarikishama Varak Din Andin Chaman Chapad. Rama said, You can give this necklace to anybody whom you like. That's a test for her. I like Rama only. But Rama said, I know you like me, but yet, you can present this necklace to anyone among this audience. Hanuman who was there pressing the feet, and Sita presented this necklace to Hanuman. You are the king among the all this. He's catching the pearl. He was biting each diamond and just put the cross here and started throwing it out. Rama saw this. Hanuman, Hanuman, you have not given up your old habits. The monkey qualities are still there. He said, no, no, Rama. All the time I... I chant your name. That's what I do. Among the nine paths of devotion, That's why I have become your servant. Listening. Singing. 
Vishnu smaranam chanting pada sevanam service vandanam salutation dasyam service sneham friendship atmanivedanam surrender nee dasatvani nenu pondetappudike nenu meeku sneethudai poyanu then once i have surrendered you have become your friend nee dasatvame nenu pondakapothe nenu meeku sneethudu kaadu if i am not your servant i wouldn't have been your friend meeku nenu sneethudu ayina tarvatane నేను ఆత్మ నివేదన చేస్తున్నాను ద మూమెంట్ ఐ బికేమ్ యువర్ ఫ్రెండ్ ఐ హావ్ సరెండర్ మై సెల్ఫ్ టు యు కనుక రామనామము తప్ప ఏ శబ్దము నేను వినడానికి ఇష్టపడదు ఐ యామ్ నాట్ రెడీ టు హియర్ ఎనీ అదర్ సౌండ్ అదర్ దెన్ యువర్ నేమ్ రామనామం ఉందో లేదో అని చూస్తున్నాను అన్నాడు ఐమ్ జస్ట్ వాచింగ్ వెదర్ యువర్ నేమ్ ఇస్ దేర్ ఇన్ దిస్ ప్రెషియస్ జెమ్ ఆర్ నాట్ హనుమంతుని యొక్క భక్తి ప్రపత్తులంతా జగత్తునకంతా వ్యాప్తి చేయించే నిమిత్తమై ఈ నో ఈ రాముని చెప్తున్నాడు పిచ్చివాడా ముత్యములో రామనామం ఉంటుందా అన్నాడు ఇన్ ఆర్డర్ టు మేక్ ద వరల్డ్ నో ద సిన్సియర్ ద డివోషన్ స్టెట్ పర్సన్ హనుమాన్ నేను ముత్యమంతా రామనామం గానే మారాలి ఎవరీ జమ్ షుడ్ బి ట్రాన్స్ఫార్మ్డ్ ఇన్ రామనామం లేనిటి ఈ ముత్యం రాళ్లతో సమానమని పారవేశాడు బిరెఫ్ట్ ఆఫ్ రామాస్ నేమ్ ఎవరీ జమ్ ఇస్ జస్ట్ ఎ స్టోన్ నా దేహమంతా రామనామంతోనే ఉంటుందా స్వామి అన్నాడు మై బాడీ ఇస్ ఫుల్ ఆఫ్ రామాస్ నేమ్ వేలిపై ఉన్నటువంటి ఒక వెంటుకు తీశాడు ఇ జస్ట్ రాముల యొక్క చెవు దగ్గర పెట్టాడు అందువల్లే భగవంతుడికి సన్నిహితమైనటువంటి స్నేహితుడిగా మారిపోయాడు ఎవరు ఎంత దూరంలో ఉండినా కానీ రాములు మాత్రం దూరంగా హనుమంతుడు దూరంగా ఉండేవారు కాదు వన్ మే బీ ఎట్ డిస్టెన్స్ బట్ నెవర్ హనుమాన్ కనుక అందరికంటే సమీపుడు హనుమంతుడయ్యాడు హనుమాన్ వాజ్ వెరీ క్లోజ్ టు రామ్ పుట్టినటువంటి లక్ష్మణుడు భర్తలు శత్రుఘ్నులు కూడా కొంత దూరంగా ఉన్నారు కానీ సీత కూడా దూరంగా ఉంది కానీ హనుమంతుడు దూరం కాలేదు ఇజ్ ఓన్ బ్రదర్స్ లక్ష్మణ భర్త శత్రుఘ్న కాన్సర్ట్ సీతరము ఆ రామచింతని రామసేవని తన దేహము రామదేహము ప్రత్యేకమైంది కాదు ఫర్ ద రీజన్ ఈస్ రామ రామా ఓ హనుమంత నీకు నేనేం బహుమతి ఇవ్వగలను ఓ హనుమాన్ వాట్ గిఫ్ట్ కెన్ ఐ గివ్ యూ నా నీకేమి ఇవ్వడానికి వీలు కాదు ఇస్ నాట్ పాసిబుల్ టు గివ్ నన్ను నేనే ఇచ్చుకుంటున్నానని కౌగిలించుకున్నాడు ఐఎమ్ గివింగ్ మై సెల్ టు యూ దేర్ ఈ హక్ హిమ్ ఈ దృశ్యంతో హనుమంతుడు మయమర్చిపోయాడు హనుమాన్ వాజ్ ఎక్స్పెక్ట్ సమాధి దట్ ఈస్ వన్ ఆఫ్ ది స్టేట్ ఆఫ్ సమాధి ఎప్పుడు కుదురుతుంది వాట్ ఈ సమాధి వెన్ ఇస్ పాసిబుల్ పది సెకండ్లు ఒక వస్తువు పైన దృష్టి ఇచ్చినప్పుడు ధారణము అంటుంది పన్నెండు సెకండ్ 12 seconds if you concentrate on a body it is dharana oka vastu paina an an object oka vastu paina 12 seconds sthiramga manchinchinappudu deeniki dharana antaru if you concentrate on an object for 12 seconds it is dharana 12 dharanalu oka dhyanamu antaru 12 dharanas are equal to one dhyana 12 dhyanamule oka samadhi antaru 12 dhyanas constitute one samadhi kabatti dharana ధ్యానము సమాధి ఈ మూడింటికి ఉండినటువంటి వ్యత్యాసం ఇదే దిస్ ఈస్ ది డిఫరెన్స్ బిట్వీన్ ధారణ ధ్యాన అండ్ సమాధి ఒక్క నిమిషంలో ధారణా శక్తిని పోయాడు ధారణ మరీ తెలిసి చూసేటప్పటికీ సమాధి స్థితిలో ఉన్నాడు లేటర్ ఈ రీచ్ సమాధి ఇటువంటి హనుమంతుని యొక్క భక్తి ప్రభత్తులు జగత్తునికంతా చాటుతూ వచ్చింది ఈ యొక్క నామనము that was the you know beautiful insight which i was you know referring to because swami is uh, i mean even when we were talking about uh, dasya bhakti or the navaveda bhakti mm-hmm. we always give example of hanuman as a you know dasya bhakta that's all 
but then even uh, when we were speaking about it we we said that when you perfect yourself in each one of these stages you automatically go to the next stage. stage and you come to you know atmanivedanam but swami was actually explaining that in this part you know, swami is saying that he became a dasya uh, dasya of rama and because of that he became a friend of rama because nobody was as dear and close to rama as in as hanuman was and then he also attained the higher state where swami was saying that you know that uh, when you do dhyana dhyana dharana and samadhi that the the gradation which takes place swami was talking about uh, how 12 seconds it takes to attain the state of dharana and then you go to dhyana and he says that in one hug which rama gives hanuman at that point after this episode he goes straightly to that state of samadhi and you know literally swami is saying that you don't need to reach that sta- stage of samadhi by sitting down in a place and doing meditation or tapas just by doing god's work just by considering yourself as a servant of the lord you become the friend of the lord and without that effort of going through this process you reach the state of samadhi or atmanivedanam merely by doing swami's work you know what a it's really a reassuring and blessing one especially for kaliyuga right absolutely and you know prem i also noticed one more thing is that though i had read this in the text Mm-hmm. I had not heard Swami's clip and along with all our other listeners I am listening to the clip right now. Mm-hmm. It makes such a world of difference reading right. Swami's discourse and hearing it because the kind of insights that strike you when you hear are so much more so many more than when you read because even when you read I feel the text it is after all somebody's perspective of or somebody else's understanding it's some it's a food that has been masticated and digested possibly not digested but masticated by somebody else right so i i really feel one takeaway from for me over here is whenever and wherever possible try to listen to swami speaking because that it's as direct as it can ever get even if we look you know i think in that sense we are so lucky consider any other religion any other avatar I don't think we have this available like this <laughs> whether it is um, Hinduism or Islam or Christianity though they speak of the word of god and all that it's actually the word of god as chewed masticated digested and you know assimilated by the men who followed later on mm-hmm. this great blessing that swami has given us i just hope that we are worthy enough to make use of this and at least we should try making use of it well that was the first thought that struck me because of the multiple uh, thoughts that struck one thing that i learnt hearing this clip was that you know concentration contemplation meditation you know dharana dhyana or is it dhyana dharana some dharana dhyana samadhi the three stages they don't differ in quality at all they differ only in the quantity in the amount of time for which you are able to concentrate when you are uh, when you are time is focus time is very little it's called concentration because though we say i'm concentrating hard on it it is actually concentrated punctu- concentration punctuated by distractions so if we are able to prolong it it becomes dhar uh, dhyana if you prolong that by 12 times as swami said it becomes samadhi again you see concentration is intensity it again builds back to the same message that concentration is intensity and to progress to higher levels you need perseverance sustaining that intensity over longer period of time so shraddha and saburi that shirdi baba always asked for which is faith and persistence 
faith and perseverance in the same way it is, we can uh, tra- correlate that to intensity and persistence intensity so it's it was one beautiful revelation the other thing i found interesting was right in the beginning you know uh, of course vibhishana has gifted this to rama and rama feels that the pearl necklace should be given to mother sita and he gives it to mother sita and mother sita asks what do you want me to do with this he says it's yours you do whatever you want you want if you want to wear it you wear it if you want to gift it to someone you gift it and at that time before gifting it to hanuman what sita says is so beautiful she says this is such an invaluable thing and i would like to gift it to someone who is dearest to me and if i think of who is dearest to me it is you o rama means you know i felt it so beautiful that the greatest treasure that is being given to you the best way is to offer that to rama itself rama himself though some of the gifts that we have in our life we might not be wise enough to identify it as a direct gift of god they are actually gifts of god be it our abilities our skills our talents whatever they are like those pearl necklaces they are they are like that pearl necklace that lord rama gave sita how i wish that we to have the wisdom to make the first choice offering to swami himself you know to rama himself then rama refuses and therefore whom does she offer it to if rama is not accepting my offering then someone or something that is dearest to rama will get it and that is why she offers it to hanuman i found such a beautiful message in that because in the sense practically it becomes impossible for all of us to offer everything directly to swami or say to the satsai organization or to what we think as a representation of swami but even if we are not able to directly offer it to the physical representation of swami in whatever form it is whether as the organization or the center or prashantinilyam we can definitely offer that to what was dearest to swami that is another insight that i felt is worth cherishing and, and the other beautiful thing which i saw is I mean <clears throat> looking at it from hanuman's point of view right and let's put ourselves in that place and let's put swami in the place of rama you know anything that is given by swami personally is so dear to us hmm. so here is hanuman and you know I mean just what you said what is most valuable is offered to god that's precisely what vibhishana did right here was this very very precious uh, necklace he goes and offers it to rama I mean he must have been quite thoughtful to bring it along all the way from lanka right <laughs> you know with Keeping all in mind right the... with all the hurry in which the whole thing happened he must have remembered that this is one of the most valuable things in the treasury let me take it along with me and offer it to rama so he keeps it in mind and brings it along and gives it to rama and rama gives it to sita and as you said sita gives it to hanuman and it's as much as it coming directly from rama for hanuman but here is hanuman who is rejecting a gift which is coming even directly from you know rama saying that if it is not going to take me or remind me or you know is infused with you even if it is coming directly from you it is not good for me right you know what a what a beautiful message it is and he says that you know i i will not wear anything which does not resonate with your name so certainly i will not live in a body which does not resonate with your name and he says that even my hair chance your name you know how many of us would really think like that you know sami comes and gives me say you become so and so i give you a position like this how many of us will stop and say sami will that position really get me closer to you will i always think of you if i'm in that position then give it to me otherwise i don't want it beautiful uh, uh, again over here prem i feel it is also a matter of individual perspective that is why i feel uh, you know like when we discussed the other day about the narayani sena whether uh, kritavarma was right in obeying krishna 
and fighting for the Kauravas, whether Satyaki was right in disobeying Krishna and saying, no, no, I will listen to my conscience and fight for the Pandavas, or whether Balrama was right, you know, by saying that this is a family feud and I can't bear to see family members fighting, so I will abstain. In fact, in the Narayani Sena, which was 11 Akshauhinis, only two Akshauhinis participated. Nine mm-hmm. of them abstained along with Balrama. Mm-hmm. So, based on their perspective, as long as they have been honest and true to themselves, it becomes right. In this case, for example, if somebody says that Lord Rama is giving, if whatever Lord Rama gives is, definitely he knows it's going to be good for me, otherwise why he will give me? So, it depends on the attitude. So, in that sense, Hanuman, with Hanuman's attitude, it was the perfect decision to do. Because in Swami's life itself, I am sure you also know of those examples. We know of plenty of examples of those who have gleefully accepted whether it's a vibhuti, whether it's a ring, whether it's a chain that Swami gives. But I am sure we have come across some exceptions like this Hanuman of people who have held Swami's hand when he's about to materialize a ring or a chain or whatever and saying, Swami, I don't want that. I actually want you. So, definitely I feel it's a matter of perspective. But having said that, it is a real, you know, uh, glorious thought and absolute focus on a single goal in one's life, which is the Lord that makes a person capable of doing this. When I heard, I was lost in admiration for the student who actually told Swami, Swami, no, I don't want Swami, please don't give me the ring because I don't want a ring. It hit me because in my life, I pined that Swami, you should give me a ring. I want to wear a ring. I want to wear a ring. And when I look back at it, definitely that desire became intense because it is special when it comes from Swami. But it was not an absolutely selfless desire because uh, because why a ring then, you know? <laughs> why not Swami giving little vibhuti or a kerchief or whatever? There was definitely an element of seeking the world because of which I sought a ring from Swami. So in that sense, <laughs> it becomes not so pure. But really to be able to tell the Lord that, Lord, if even the greatest treasure you are giving me, if it takes my thought away from you, it ceases to be a treasure, it actually becomes a curse, really requires one-minded focus, dedication and the kind of love that Hanuman had. Exactly. I mean, as you are saying, even the same Hanuman, I am sure there would have been occasions where uh, you know, Rama gives him a command. We have spoken about this earlier also. When Rama, when he is leaving earth, leaving is giving up his avataric body, he says that, Hanuman, you stay back. Okay. Probably we don't we don't read that part where Hanuman protests there. He says, "No, no, I, how can I stay back?" You know, I mean, when he doesn't accept a necklace because it does not resonate with the Lord's name, how can he choose to stay back in a world when Rama leaves? But I think it, it finally comes down to what you said: is that honesty. You know, all the time your focus is I have to live, concentrating on my Rama, mm-hmm. and if in a situation I have the slightest doubt that maybe this will not be possible. <clears throat> then to raise it and get it cleared, right, no? or probably in a situation where that doubt doesn't arise, it doesn't mean that the thought of being living, uh, concentrating on Rama goes. But when that that doubt doesn't arise, that you know, doing this will not take away that state from me. And I think at that time probably he will not protest, like in Anuman's case, mm-hmm. where he was clear of what he wanted. And when because many times you know when Swami gives you a command, I, I've uh, spoken to some people who say that you know when you Swami will tell you something and then you will tell no Swami I don't feel like doing it so then after some time Swami will tell okay don't do it so at that time you don't you have this doubt is Swami telling don't do it because he he has decided it 
or is he telling because i protested got he got influenced by right? my yeah so you don't want, you don't want to obey but at the same time you want to obey also so you asked swami swami did you say that because i am thinking like that or did you say that because really you wanted to say because i want to do what you want me to do and not i don't want my thinking and my fear and my likes and dislike to influence you oh my god you know from that situation so there are so many complications <laughs> right. no wonder swami says be clear the rest will follow exactly <laughs> so i think that is what it is finally are you focused on swami are you really clear of what you want right and the rest of it will follow and that's why this is this episode is so very powerful and you know how many people's uh, true nature is shown in this you know vibhishana's nobility the same mother sita's nobility as you said even in that situation she says that i'll have to give it back to you if i have to give it to the person who is dearest to me and of course hanuman's nobility and i was thinking you know little uh, from a so called scientific angle see there is this uh, little electronic instrument that comes with which they measure the pitch of the harmonium mm-hmm. and uh, when they put a key if it goes and shows one display one number whatever 92.3 or something and stays there it shows that that harmonium is in good condition it is not uh, emitting multiple pitches with mm-hmm. the same key that's how they check the harmonium but you know what uh, our th- uh, those brothers who are trained in singing they are able to catch the pitch of the harmonium mm-hmm. and uh, once they catch the pitch of the harmonium you put that same instrument to their voice you will see how it fluctuates mm-hmm. and even the most trained most perfect ones are not able to keep it steady at one digital frequency throughout uh, and i was speaking to brother ashwath narayan because i feel he is one of among the most trained singers here and he has spent hours and hours in practice and he says it is so 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 impossible you know it's almost nearly impossible to have our voice tuned on only to one frequency so i was thinking you juxtapose that with hanuman what an amazing thing it is that he has been able to focus everything on to rama so much so that even his hair resonates with rama's name his body resonates with rama's name so on one hand i feel it is a tribute to hanuman on the other hand i feel it is also a message to us that given this human body and human mind the way the body is fickle the way the mind is fickle it is impossible to have that kind of focus for anything just like a supremely trained singer also struggles to have the focus with one frequency it is not possible maybe the world is created in a manner that it's not possible to have that kind of focus for anything else other than the lord because possibly the lord knows that nothing else is worth such focus other than the lord himself so by default maybe it's not possible for us so on one hand as we appreciate hanuman's effort in focusing only on rama i also feel we can derive this message that this kind of focus and attention is possible only when the point of focus is the lord and nothing else right and, and just going by that example of how uh, singers practice you know that's what they do when they practice they try to match their tone only with two or three swaras actually sa and pa that's the standard ones they play it and they they are supposed to be the constant correct uh, pitches whether you change the scale or not invariably you know the tone of that and pitch of that is same <clears throat> so it's almost like you concentrate by trying to match yourself with only one tone but after you have mastered that you can sing all the swaras and all of them will be in shruti 
mean you don't practice literally everything in shruti i mean you spend more time practicing only that two swaras but automatically the, it's almost like that you know you you concentrate on swami and on god you focus on god after a certain point in time it doesn't matter in which situation you are what you're doing what is the activity you're doing you know which stage of life you are in but you will be focused and like you are that's that's pre- precisely the example which professor venkatraman used to give you mm. say you know the atma dharma is like the sound of the tambura that once you've caught that pitch and you've established that in your mind you can sing all the swaras but you will always stay on the pitch on the you will do all your actions and they will be dharmic you will truthful. speak and think all your thoughts and words they will be truthful right that's what happens it's so that's wonderful and then as the ceremony concludes here rama hosts all the visitors from kishkinda and lanka for almost 6 months you know actually before we move on there's uh-huh. one more uh, episode which i came across which happens in the same time uh-huh okay and in 1961 in one of swami's discourses swami explained that episode and in fact it's very very important to understand the true ramayana which we started off with you know atma ramayana mm-hmm. and i didn't come across any other discourse where swami has spoken about this only in this discourse 1961 so we don't have the audio of that discourse mm. I'll just read out that one particular paragraph. Yeah, that should paragraph. be interesting because I remember last week we received a mail from mm-hmm. one of our listeners saying right. that if you can have a little more focus on the Atma Ramayana, also right. it will be so yeah. great. This is very, very beautiful and very important point. I'll just read out that particular paragraph. Okay, mm. on the day when Rama was crowned emperor at Ayodhya, every personage got some present or other before leaving the city. Mm. Hanuman alone refused any material gift, as we saw that episode. He asked Rama to explain to him the mystery of his life which he had failed to understand in spite of the length and loyalty of his service. Rama then asked Sita to slake the thirst of Hanuman and reveal to him the secret of their careers. Okay. Mm. And Sita announced that she was primal nature or moola prakriti, the energy that agitates in all matters, the maya shakti. Mm. that transforms and transmutes it into all this variety that binds and blinds the ramayana she said was nothing but the play she had designed you know what a profound this one is you know later in that discourse swami explains that all through rama was only a witness because he represents the atma and mother sita says that all that you saw of the agni uh, uh, you know pariksha of rama is going to send away sita to the forest and all of that that we see today and we you know we talk about it in the angle of uh, you know gender inequality swami says it was not rama's play it was sita's play i mean what a change in perspective it is because sita says i am moola prakriti all the change and variety which you see happens only in nature not in the soul not in the atma because atma is changeless so she says all the you know emotions that you see played out in the ramayana is been designed by me and i am the one who has scripted this whole play it's no wonder that on one one or maybe multiple occasions swami has uh, mentioned that it is not actually ramayana but it is sitayanam right because it is the story of sita and when uh, when if when a person wonders how can it be the story of sita because it is rama who is constant throughout uh, for a large chunk there is no sita Uh, story of sita can also be read as story that is owned by sita you know like it is uh, this is the watch of arvind means it's a watch that belongs to arvind so it's a story that belongs to sita meaning it's a story that is scripted by sita it can mean that way also 
and that is why it becomes sitayanam because as swami reveals in this 1961 discourse it is a story that is indeed scripted by sita right and i think this we have to keep in mind every time we are debating controversial issues in the ramayana <laughs> yeah uh, that is definitely something to keep in mind so moving on from there yeah we were talking about how rama hosts everybody for 6 months in ayodhya this is amazing it's not as if they are there only for the ceremony you know being a part of the hosts for um, a couple of weddings and a couple of other family functions i know what a huge uh, uh, i would not say burden responsibility it is in every sense a mm-hmm. social sense in a financial sense it's not easy to host uh, a huge multitude for many days and in this case rama is hosting them for 6 months if we actually see uh, the ramayana you know from the time that uh, rama meets all the sugriva and everybody and till the time he wins the war because all that happened in the final year of exile as mm-hmm. we know it is about this much time it's about 5 6 months because you know they had to wait out a few months for the monsoons to subside and then begin they resume their search of sita it's almost like you 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 can never give anything to god because whatever you give it comes back to you multifold at some other point in time and i when i was reading this i just felt that that rama you didn't um, leave any debt pending you repaid all your debts because for the hospitality they provided to you in the caves and the trees of kishkinda you have repaid with hospitality in the royal kingdom of ayodhya because i did not know that they were hosted there for 6 months but that's how swami writes there it's so beautiful and so wonderful becomes very clear that there is nothing like sacrificing for god sacrificing for god is a myth because anything that is given to god comes back to you manifold and absolutely and you know uh from from rama's point of view it was i i don't even know whether he would have thought of it as repaying and you know because more than anything else it's not about the hospitality but the opportunity for them to stay and if you look at it as the as the other way around you know these are all kings who are going to go and rule their kingdom you have sugriva you have angada who is going to take over from sugriva you have jambavan the king of jambavan, bears jambavan the king of bears and literally as swami would often say when he talks about the avatar this is the very purpose of the avatar the avatar comes to really breathe life into dharma which is there in the land and you know in that period of time where so much of importance was given to the actions of the king the best way to do it was to inspire the people who are ruling the kingdoms or ruling the people give them an opportunity to see <clears throat> give them an opportunity to see and observe first hand and that's that would have also been one of the things which rama did in this period of 6 months and one thing is of course you know the ruling of the kingdom of ayodhya and certainly they would have seen the kind of uh, relationship which was there between the brothers themselves and the kind of respect that each of these brothers had for their mothers and and the elders because you know literally this is like the you know the pinnacle of culture you know all of these when you when you talk of them as being vanaras it's not necessarily talking of them as animals but talking of them as coming from cultures which are not as much defined as probably uh, you know the capital city of the empire like in ayodhya an opportunity for them to see all these things and observe all these things and and absorb the things and absorb and then to go back and to impart it in their kingdoms i feel it's equivalent to you know uh, 
Swami giving us an opportunity to study in the university. For a short period of time, you get to uh, stay with Swami, live with Him, observe the way uh, things are done. And it holds good even in the physical absence because uh, it's not about these days I'm speaking about. Let's say Brindavan. If you have been in Brindavan, I have been in Brindavan. If we are in Brindavan, possibly we get to see Swami for 10 to 15% of what uh, peop- uh, the students at Prashanti get to see. Uh, in fact, that might be a lesser percentage compared to many of the other devotees. So it's not just about uh, seeing and observing Rama or seeing and observing Swami. It's about seeing, observe, observing and absorbing the system that they have set up. Because Swami is the system. In fact, if we look at the hostel schedule while discussing that, this had come up. How Swami was physically involved in designing every aspect of the hostel schedule. And he had once, uh, he had also stated that the students need not do any other sadhana. If they can just follow the schedule 100%, that's enough. I think we had done an elaborate yeah. satsang on going through that. So therefore, uh, I just thought of making this point because it is not as if now it is not possible. You know, now you may say that, uh, yeah, they are lucky they got a chance to observe Rama. But if Rama is not there, how? It is about observing and absorbing the system and the principles that Rama represents. The observe, observing and absorbing the principles that Swami represents. So therefore, even to this day, I really feel it is as great and as wonderful an opportunity to be able to come here as a student and be a student of this system. In fact, you know, you will be surprised to see the enormous number of youngsters, even today, in IIT, IITNs and IIM graduates, who go and serve in places like the Ramakrishna Mission and some ashrams like that. Hmm. <clears throat> Only to see those people, you know, they don't become monks really, but to offer some kind of voluntary service. Many of them just go and stay there for three months. I mean, foregoing a career which, you know, each year is worth a few crores, you know, in remuneration that you will, remuneration that you will get. But they give up that and go and it's just for this. When you observe those people who are living that kind of a life, there's so much you can learn. As you're saying that each master imbues it, you know, in the system that he has created a part of himself. And you can certainly say that about Swami. You can certainly say that about Prashantinilyam. And uh, another beautiful thing, you know, that happens is at the end of the six months, they can't stay forever there. <laughs> you know, I really uh, felt so wonderful reading these parts because I was associating each of those with episodes in my life with Swami. It's almost like a convocation there. You know, you know that you you can no longer be a student. At the same time, you feel, Swami, once I have become your student, I am your student for life. Even if I become a 60-year-old, I am your pillalu. That's what we feel. And that's exactly what Swami would say in the convocation also. You go anywhere, take any kind of job, no problem. Sai is always in you, around you, with you, within you. You just think of me, I'll be there to help. This is how Swami would reassure us and tell us, don't think that this is a parting. Don't think that when you're departing, it's over. It's not. This is just the beginning of a lifetime of your association with Swami. Because this association is not just this lifetime, it's across lifetimes. And these beautiful memories came flooding into me because that's exactly what Rama tells all of them. You know, he tells he tells them that I love all of you. I love you as much, if not more, than my own parents, than my kingdom, than my subjects, and even, even Sita also. Because you have been true friends to me. And he says, now you return home. Don't worry, I will grace and bless you from within your hearts, wherever you are. So amazing it is. 
and uh, I I feel that this is a kind of assurance and promise that only the Lord can give. Only the Lord can give. Only the Lord can love everyone with that intensity and with that completeness. You know, I I if I ha- uh, make a list of people whom I love, if you really ask me to actually grade them, I will be able to grade them. <laughs> who who are the top three whom I love? Then the next. Then the next. It's only God who is able to say that everybody whom I say I love is the top number one. And that is the reason why so many people are also able to have God as their number one. And in that one reassurance that Rama gives, for me, that itself is a clear indication of the divinity of Rama. Because as I said, reading it has reminded so much of how Swami would reassure us during the convocation discourse. Right. And Swami would make that statement. I think we've spoken so much about it when Swami says... That you know God is only as near to you as as you are to God, and it's almost like when you say that from God's point of view, everybody whom He loves is in the same plane. I mean, in that same plane, if you wish to move closer to God, and that's your prerogative, and you know that much closer you will be. Probably God never comes closer to you, and hmm. it's just that He ensures that He doesn't move away when you come closer. Properly. I think He gives you equal. Op- I think He gives all of us equal, equal opportunity, opportunity to go close to Him. Right, exactly. That's, that's what it is. It's perfectly, as Swami would say, you know, God's grace is like the sun rays. It's there, and it's who who chooses to make. Yeah, who chooses <laughs> to open their windows and doors right. to allow the sunlight in. And precisely, and that is why you know when Rama looks at these people and saying that you're all dear to me, even more than Sita, because these are literally, you know, in that sense, opportunists who have really seized that opportunity which came their way. And it is, you know, they could have, I mean, they could have been killed in the war, they could have been lost, they could have lost so much in the process. But to be able to place your bet on the right thing, literally, that's exactly what they've done. And that's why Rama is saying that you're all so dear to me, because you have made me dear to you. And the moment you start making God dear to you, automatically, they are, you know, the converse also happens. And, uh, and immediately after this, again, uh, another statement by which... Rama shows who he is, you know. Those right. few moments when he when he parts the clouds of Maya that Sita has created, in the sense the way you said that Sita and him, is when Rama says that I award all of you the level of Sarupyam. Um, you know, just yesterday we had the Onam celebrations in Prashantinliam and uh, I was hearing... Professor Mukundan, the trace print of Kerala speak Mm -hmm. and um, he was talking about one devotee who happened to go out of I don't know whether it's Kulvanthal or Brindavan I don't know wherever it is, he went out to possibly the washroom or to have a drink of water and when he came back he got to know that Swami's discourse at that point in time Swami had said that all of you seated in this hall are wonderful devotees and he (laughs) felt miserable that you know I missed this and he was saying how that devotee decided that from now on, you know, I'm going to dedicate myself to Swami till Swami tells me that I'm a good devotee. Mm-hmm. And he says that the way he dedicated himself in thought, word, deed, in his actions, in bhajan, everything he would do. And finally, after possibly a decade, I don't know the exact time period, he got the opportunity of being in the interview room with a group. And that is when he told, he asked Swami, Swami, do you consider me as your devotee? And Swami then told him, it seems that, uh, no, you are not my devotee. And he felt crestfallen that all his 10 years of effort have meant nothing because he has not 
grown closer. Ten years back, he had heard Swami say, "Everybody here are good devotees," and now he is not getting it. And then Swami told him that you are not a good devotee because there is no difference between you and me. You have become me because in your thought, word, and deed, you embody whatever I stand for. Mm-hmm. And Professor Mukundan concluded his talk by saying that. That is what is sarupyam. Not that we turn into looking like Swami. Swami, we pray that all of us become embodiments of what you stand for, so that there is no difference between you and us in that sense. And uh, uh, that that you know that is what is like becoming. That is what is true sarupyam. And here Rama tells Rama tells the Vanaras that I am awarding you this sarupyam. See that that shows that he is the awarding authority. He is the one who decides whether you get this and move ahead. And he says, "I award you with this sarupyam, because uh, I mean, because of which you will not miss me, because you are embodying what I stand for." So that is the great blessing that Rama confers on all these uh, vanaras. And you know, looking back at Swami's physical sojourn, I feel that final one of those final acts that he did of prostrating to everyone i feel it was his way of indicating that i am gifting you this opportunity of sarupyam i am gifting you the opportunity to embody whatever i have embodied so that you also become worship worthy like how i have become worship worthy and in order to like a first installment i think swami prostrated himself you know he gave he did a namaskar to everybody so once again you know reading the ramkatha rasavahini reminded me so much of swami and definitely made me feel so blessed to have known the sai avatar and definitely the vanaras are so blessed because they have been conferred they have been awarded with sarupyam by rama exactly and i mean if you look at it as the conferring authority here he is saying that i'm giving you all sarupyam and just that clip which we played sometime back swami is saying that you know rama literally gave the experience of sayujyam to hanuman you know when he says that he went into samadhi in that one hug Hmm. it's just that momentary experience of sayujim of being one with you know uh, ramayan uh, i remember professor bhagya sir used to tell us <clears throat> you know when he had that one of those defining experiences once he had of when he was sitting and meditating in the mandir he got that experience of uh, universality you were seeing swami everywhere wherever you were seeing wall the road everything appeared as swami and he said it was a experience which lasted for about a couple of days two or three days but it kind of wet his appetite so much that he could not do anything but aspire for that all his life and literally that's what it is and it's actually a term which which is given a guru if he finds a disciple worthwhile he gives that experience like how ramakrishna paramahansa gives it to vivekananda a taste sample. a taste of it and then you go mad after that you know you you strive you don't want anything right? else you don't want anything else apparently swami has done that to a couple of devotees too you know in one moment in the interview room given them the glance of that and after that they kind of nothing else is as tasty as that and they are striving for that so that's precisely what happens with hanuman because already hanuman is somebody who is so mad after rama as we have seen it you know <clears throat> in the in the various ex- uh, episodes that we have narrated but probably that one moment which uh, rama blesses hanuman with must have really made him absolutely focused with his idea that there is nothing worthwhile anywhere else other than the feet of rama because when at this point rama is trying to send off everybody there's one person who is manages to escape that right yes and that is hanuman in fact uh, uh, rama sends his own brothers bharata lakshmana and shatrughna to 
you know escort this uh, party that is leaving you know these are things that we do to you know assuage the pain right it it so often happens that when you go when you are um, see when you travel from it's not just with people it's even with the place suppose you are an indian and you are working abroad whenever you come to india people people carry a handful of the mud of india and go you know it's it's not that uh, it can substitute india for you but it's something makes that makes you feel connected and uh, that's the reason also why if you know when you are leaving again if you're leaving india you will see your family members they come till the airport uh, just to you know uh, make it instead of a drastic thing that you say goodbye and that's it you're not going to see anymore see at the airport then you know even before your plane takes off you make a phone call i feel it's like that kind that rama says okay fine you leave it's not like suddenly you're getting cut yeah bharata lakshman is still there you know <laughs> even after two hours if you suddenly feel like you want to communicate something you can you can you know possibly write a, a note and send it through bharata you know that kind so he sends uh, all these people to escort them but interestingly rama himself doesn't go because it will make it as painful as it is now so he has to gradually you know dissociate himself and again prem you know i am pulled back to swami the way he physically left also it was so so beautiful and you know large hearted on swami's part it didn't happen in one moment i am wondering what would have happened if it had happened in one moment swami also did this kind of gradual you know preparation took so much time and at the same time you know with the same promise that i am there with you always you just think of me i will be there don't worry all that because even when swami was physically not keeping well i remember on one occasion uh, swami was asking me about how my parents or others at home are and i said swami all that doesn't matter tell me how you are swami swami's face suddenly lit up he became so bright and he said nen sukshemanga hayanga i'm not remembering the telugu words right now i have written them in my diary but swami said that i'm very happy doing very well you know those were all i really feel like a kind of reassurance that swami kept giving because it didn't look like you are very well here also it doesn't look like rama you you are you're not coming with me you're not even coming till the end of the town to bid farewell to me how can you say and yet rama says no i will be there with you every moment you don't worry so that kind of uh, gradual shock absorbing assuaging rama does and sends but as you said though everybody leaves hanuman finally says no no i am not going to leave and hanuman is the only person who returns back to ayodhya of course after seeking permission from sugriva because he is under sugriva and uh, this also reminded me of that uh, statement that we had discussed earlier mm-hmm. in the ramkatha rasavani where uh, swami states that rama sought sugriva's friendship not for sugriva but for hanuman's sake and hanuman happened to be with sugriva it looks like lord rama's purpose is achieved because now hanuman is in ayodhya while sugriva has returned is returning to kishkinda right and and you know that is the final thing i mean because uh, looking at it from the point of view of propriety hanuman belongs to sugriva literally in the sense he's a minister he's the lord of uh, you know hanuman but the fact is hanuman has wholeheartedly and completely in, in, in without any excuses as accepted rama as his lord so even if it is you know in that sense not right Rama does not hes- I mean hesitate to accept Hanuman back because you know there is no difference it is not for the sake of show that he is saying that you know Rama you are my lord I mean literally he is proved in that court that what what is the relation be- between Rama and Hanuman 
So he is the only person probably even, you know, Rama could not stop from accepting back. I mean, it just reminds you of how many people uh, you meet in the ashram. In fact, there's a person the other day, someone was telling me about him. Mm-hmm. He is one of the drivers of uh, in the ashram. He drives the bus which goes from here to the hospital. Oh yes, huh. so apparently he was. Uh, I mean, he was a driver in uh, that picks up all the uh, staff staff working in right. the hospital to, because right. it's a good five kilometers from the ashram apparently, to the hospital. Right? Apparently, that person is uh, somebody who came here to leave someone who wanted to make a trip to Puttaparthi. Oh, okay, okay. something like that. It was a makeshift arrangement for someone who wanted to go from Puttaparthi to Bangalore or from come from Bangalore to Puttaparthi. The last minute, you know, somebody had backed out and so he had to come in in that person's place. And that's how he visited Puttaparthi and he sees Swami and he stays on for 25-30 years. Right? He's never seen Swami before that. And, you know, that that is why, that's why you kind of feel that Swami's assurance. If you really need me, that's all that you need. Right? You don't, deservedness comes much later. I will make you deserve me. But if you need me, you already have me. Well, you know, uh, when you say op- when we say that Swami gives opportunities to all, it's about who grabs the opportunity. You gave the example of that driver who has grabbed the opportunity. Uh, see, Prem, when we talk about Swami, time flies and actually it's 1.59. But since we began 10-15 minutes late, I want to just narrate. It is slightly related to this theme about how uh, in phenomenal ways God gives opportunities so and I it is a very fresh incident I heard just yesterday mm-hmm. uh, I heard it from uh, a professor Mukundan sir's son okay you know the state president of Kerala his son he, he was my classmate Shiva Prasad and he was narrating an amazing incident he said that he had a friend who uh, who uh, did pretty well in life and grew on and as time uh, Past they separated and his friend was settled in Mumbai and he was he, Prasad is settled here in Bangalore and once when he had gone to Mumbai he said that he uh, his friend happened to call him mm-hmm. coincidentally and when he found out that he is in Mumbai so he said you must come home you must uh, uh, visit let's have lunch together now all that the Prasad knew was that this person had got married to a Muslim girl. He's a possibly it was a love marriage, and so he had got married to a Muslim girl, and uh, he was living with his wife and his in-laws in Mumbai. Okay. And apparently his in-laws were are very very influential people in Mumbai. So he went to their uh, residence. He says that it was a sea-facing residence in Bandra. Mm-hmm. Bandra is one of the um, poshest places in Mumbai, and he says he entered the home. Yeah, it was all. Islamic, even the door, the symbol, everything, all uh, verses from the Quran adorned many parts in their home. But he says that when he finally went to the uh, sea-facing room, in that room he saw a larger-than-life-size photograph of Swami. Mm -hmm. And on it was a thick garland that was much bigger than the size of the frame. And in fact, there was a wicker basket kept down into which this garland the excess of the garland was uh, resting in. Mm. He was amazed that his friend has become a side devotee or whatever and has also got the, what do you say, the guts and courage and whatever to put up this kind of a photograph with garland in a Hindu style worship in a uh, Muslim household. So he said that while talking with his friend, he just told him that it's amazing, I didn't know that you are a side devotee. 
then he said no actually i am not a side devotee i just i have got great reverence for him that's all i am i admire the things that he has done so then shivaprasad was even more amazed because to be an admirer and to do this is greater <laughs> than to do it as a devotee right so he said then then what is this and to his pleasant surprise his friend said no this is not because of me this is because my wife and her and my in-laws are devotees mm-hmm. and he was shocked you know and uh, when he prodded further this friend of his revealed that uh, they were socialites in mumbai circles and in one of such socialite meeting uh, his mother in law met with uh, uh, mrs sarla shah the wife mm-hmm. of indulal shah and uh, they were close friends or whatever and because of which uh, mr sarla shah gave her a photograph of swami a small photograph of swami and said that you know what nothing is just amazing you'll get all good things in life every thursday just put one flower as offering to him it's enough so out of uh, respect for that lady and for their friendship this lady began to put uh, one flower to this little photo every thursday and she noticed that every thursday in the morning whatever flower she puts it has doubled by the evening mm-hmm. so she puts one jasmine flower it is two jasmine flowers she puts one marigold flower it is two marigold flowers she puts a little gra- jasmine garland it's a double sized jasmine garland when this went on for some time she became very curious and she wanted to check whether this is universally true <laughs> what is happening so she got ordered a more than lifestyle life size image of swami put it up and the next thursday she got a huge garland because you know a photo somebody can replace uh, i mean a flower somebody can add a garland somebody can replace a little one but this is like those marriage kind of garlands made of flowers that you know that stay fresh for almost 4 5 days you know mm-hmm. that kind of a garland and to her amazement she saw that even that garland was doubling in size Mm-hmm. and on this day when he had visited that is what had happened that's why they permanently kept a wicker basket to allow scope for it to expand <laughs> they said of course we don't make it public because it is not this but he got to know that every thursday apparently this family does namaz in front of swami's photograph because every thursday is the day they uh, they maintain clean everything and replace the garland and they leave it like that till next thursday when it grows mm-hmm. So when Shiva Prasad revealed narrated this to me I was thinking how amazing it is we don't even know of such things it just shows that here is another family that has grabbed on to the opportunity that came their way and like this god knows how many people we are not aware of who have grabbed on to the opportunity who have grabbed on to the opportunity and are seeing and feeling his presence in their day to day lives it just inspires us also to be alert and to grab and hold this opportunity that has come our way and I mean, there's absolutely nothing to add to that and really Ramayana is filled with opportunities like that <laughs> <laughs> right and that is why it's so important to read as Swami would say you know what you keep exposing yourself with is what will influence your decision making over a period of time and if you keep seeing this as the best opportunity and as the best choice to make you keep reading about devotees who made this choice of choosing God who made this decision of moving towards God without our knowledge that will become like the best response to do in any situation and that's the whole idea of reading the ramayana reading the stories of other devotees and we really hope swami we, we you bless us with that opportunity and with that blessing of always thinking of you certainly we are not in that state where we bite at each thing and see whether there is swami's <laughs> name coming out of it 
but certainly at least we can pray that one day like hanuman even our body will you know what i was just thinking that i am not even reached a stage where simple thing where i before i take a bite of anything at least i think of swami's name swami has said that simple thing before you get up before you sleep at night after you get up in the morning before your meals brahmarpanam prayer karacharana kritamva you know what prem forget as i said forget biting everything to see whether swami is there i have not even reached a stage where i think of swami when i am biting anything only once in a while i remember that at least let us move to that stage where we do these things perfectly can i uh, take his name before every meal can i take his name before i sleep can i take his name as soon as i get up that would be a good starting point like it's something you know calling out swami's name when you bite it at least when problems bite us are we calling out to swami as, as the first thing i think probably that's a good place to start at so with humility we offer this effort at swami's lotus feet and we're going to leave you with the bhajan dear listeners don't go away in a short while from now you'll be joined by chandu for the next program of the day we'll join you again next week on afternoon satsang but we will continue the story of ramayana after a fortnight thank you for being with us jai sadam दशरथ नंदन श्री रामचंद्र धर्म संरक्षक दशरथ नंदन श्री रामचंद्र धर्म संरक्षक दशरथ नंदन श्री रामचंद्र धर्म संरक्षक नंदन मुरलीधरा आनंददायक शेवकी नंदन मुरलीधरा आनंददायक